going to mass became incredibly difficult for me. In that time of possibly getting divorced, possibly being gay, I found myself going to church, sitting literally in the back corner and sobbing all through mass. And it was horrific. I felt like a fraud. This is Expanding Horizons. Candid conversations, passionate people, important issues. Produced by the Jesuit Institute, South Africa. Michelle de Klack grew up in a large Catholic family. She was involved in her local parish as a youth leader for over 10 years. She studied theology. In 2012, she got married and is mommy to a little boy. She's a teacher and has taught life orientation, religious ed, and Afrikaans. In 2017, her marriage came to an end. Michelle confronted a truth when she realized, acknowledged, and accepted that she is gay. I am Russell Pollitt, and this is Expanding Horizons. Michelle, thank you for agreeing to come in to do this podcast. And I want to begin by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself, your family background, your interests, and your hobbies. Thanks for having me. Um, it's really cool to be here. I have a very large Catholic family. Uh, I'm one of three girls, and um, my parents are very happily married. Um, I have very loving folks. My dad is Catholic. My mom is Dutch Reformed. But throughout my life, she came with us as a family to church. You know, she just believed family goes to church together. And so she supported us in our Catholic faith. So I had a great upbringing. I have 28 first cousins. We all very close. We did Sunday lunches. It's been a very happy childhood. I'm a musician. I play guitar. I play piano. I do a lot of singing. Where I teach at the moment, I'm in charge of the major production. I direct the the major production. And um, having studied theology, I've got a great passion for religion, but interfaith dialogue, bringing together various religions and drawing on strengths and similarities. And then in terms of my work with the youth, I'm very passionate about career guidance and also done a lot of work with sexual education, ironically. You were very involved in the church because I remember yes. you, and I can say this as a little girl, and going out to a youth camp to yes. celebrate Mass, and you were uh, running a youth group. So your life really did center around the church. Absolutely, yeah. I've been involved, or I was involved as a youth leader for over 10 years, as you said, and um, it spanned from attending World Youth Day to running camps of my own to, you know, organizing confirmation classes and things at the church. You know, I was employed for two years as the youth coordinator at the church, and and I loved it. I mean, it was, I wouldn't change it or have it any other way. I really, really loved every moment of my involvement at church, and it really developed who I am today, without a doubt. And you also, for a while, taught in a Catholic school. Yes, I did. I taught life orientation from grade 8 to 12, and then obviously very involved in the religious education there. Again, really, really awesome experience. In 2017, <laughs> Michelle, you had the immense courage to acknowledge and accept that you are gay. How did you come to that point? I'm imagining that it was a long journey with lots of thought and uh, reflection before you got to the point where you decided to say, this is really me. Yeah, look, naturally, I mean... It's by no means where I saw myself. It was a long journey. It definitely was. It was a very difficult, painful, full of tears. And I think what's really important for me to just explain here is that 
after being married, as much as I believe that my acknowledgement of my sexuality was the catalyst for us finally getting divorced, it definitely wasn't the main reason. Um, unfortunately, you know, we married as a, a young couple and we had a big Catholic wedding and about four or five priests there and we met through the church and and it was great. And, uh, you know, we kind of, I think, looking back, just went through the motions of, of what you're supposed to do. You know, we both attended the Theology of the Body camps and workshops, which I ran, and and we were both very steeped in our faith and, and in youth leadership. And so it was, you know, what you would um, term, I think, the ideal marriage. I think, you know, our divorce came as a huge shock to most people because it was by no means what people or even I or him would have expected. So the marriage started to break down a little, and I know people struggle with this concept, but I, I can honestly say that I believe we had different priorities. And and I can honestly say now, looking back, that I think I I married my best friend. And to this day, we are friends. And the reality is that having gotten divorced, not much of our relationship changed. And, and that was what I started to realize was that we were friends, no longer husband and wife. And so with the acknowledgement or the emergence of me exploring my sexuality, I had to get to a place where, or at least I was at a place where I, I thought at a stage where I was attracted to a woman, and I'll get into that, is this only because of where I'm at in my marriage right now? Is it because I'm seeking emotional input that I'm not getting in my marriage? Or is there some substance to this? And that was a very difficult decision to make for me to say, maybe there's more to this. And so in deciding to at least be open to the possibility, you go through a lot of questions, especially if you are religious or in any way within an environment or community that is not very open to homosexuality. And mm. so thinking about it and reflecting on it, you you go through things like, you know, growing up, it's a natural course that you sit back and you question, okay, hormones are raging and, and I've you know discussed this with young people in all my sexual education workshops and you question, it's natural. Um, we have attractions, we have even dreams about the same sex. And, and so that did happen to me. I kind of just thought, well, everyone goes through it. I didn't even question whether or not I was gay. Growing up, there were significant females that I can pinpoint that there was an attraction, not necessarily a sexual attraction. Post-school, there were one or two that I can pinpoint that the attraction did become a little sexual, mm -hmm. if I can say that. And so you were aware of this attraction so long before marriage happened? Yes. Maybe in one way or another you didn't want to go down that road or just it didn't cross your mind consciously to ask questions Absolutely, about that. Absolutely, because you grow up where it's not even an option. So I didn't explore Not an further. option because of your formation in Catholic faith or just that in the context that you lived, this was never an option? I think both, both. Mm -hmm. um, more so the Catholic faith, I mean, because I have a gay uncle. So mm -hmm. I was always exposed to homosexuality, as it were. He was in a relationship and still is. And so it wasn't that I didn't know about mm -hmm. this concept of homosexuality. But yes, within the church, I was so steeped in that. Mm -hmm. 
So post-school, when those attractions happen, they bothered me because now I'm in a stage where I'm like, okay, it's not puberty. I have lived a heterosexual life. You know, what is this all about? And, and throughout my high school years, I was with a psychologist for various reasons. I would go back to her and say, you know, what is this all about? And she would reason it and we would talk about I was sexually abused when I was seven. And so as much as now I will say to you, I don't like to write it down to that. You could question, you say, you know, is it because of that? Is it because whatever kind of circumstantial things have happened through different relationships with your mom, with your sisters, whatever the case might be, I struggled at that point very much so. And I think even so now about whether or not we are born homosexual and it's still an area of contention for me. Mm. So anyway, so we would go and we would thrash it out and reason with it and I'd walk away and say, okay, I'm, I'm cool. I understand what's going on in me right now. And um, the one time she said to me, Michelle, what if you are gay? And at that stage, I was married. I had um, my, my son had been born. And I said to her, I can't possibly be. I'm married. I have a child. I'm Catholic. <laughs> it's not the way it should be. And I definitely am not gay. And she said, OK, cool. You know, all right, well, let's explore this. And then there was a tipping point for me where one single attraction just really hit me. It was a very strong attraction on every level. I'm really not only talking sexual here. Mm. And this was where I, I sat back and questioned, is this because of the state of my marriage or is there something to this? Mm. And the first person I went to was my priest. <laughs> and I said, I messaged him and I said, look, I, we need to chat. Um, when can we meet? And I met with him and I couldn't I couldn't verbalize what was on my heart and I just cried and cried. And he knew what was going on in my marriage and he said to me, you know, what's going on? Is it because of this? Is it because of that? And I just shook my head. And then he hit the nail on the head and he guessed it. <laughs> um, he knows me very well and, and he just said to me, is there another woman? Hmm. And um, I said to him, look, you know, there's, nothing's happened or, you know, there's no fear or anything, but I don't know what to do. Hmm. And we spoke for a long time and I cried for a long time. And he just said mm. to me, Michelle, you've got to explore this. You've got to just figure out. And even if it is just because of your marriage, figure it out because you can't ignore this. Mm. And he looked at me because I, you know, I said to him, but, you know, it's not right or whatever. And he said, Michelle, personally, I have worked with far too many gay people to be against it. People who are the strongest of Christians, even Catholics, people who are, in a sense, not that I like to separate the two, but normal, you know. And he said to me, I can't fault gay people purely because they're gay. Mm. I can't judge them based on that. And so he was instrumental in saying to me, take a look at this. So I phoned my psychologist and she said, okay, let's, let's just really get down mm. to this. So you really found a priest that was someone who listened, who someone who was willing to hear your story and who responded to you in a way that was appropriate. Absolutely. And mm. he wasn't the only one. I can pinpoint three priests who, at the time of really battling with this, approached. And the second priest I spoke to, again, was, was so open and so supportive. Someone I've known also was at the wedding and someone I've known for years. And, mm. and he just said to him, Shal, I've got two gay couples in, in my church. They love each other just as much as any other couple. They fight <laughs> with each other just as much as any other couple. And 
you know, where can I fault them? And mm. one of the biggest areas for me, and, and we'll probably chat about it, is communion at this stage and receiving communion. And I said to him, but do they receive communion? And he said, of course. Why not? Mm. You know, for me, being divorced, and, and th- that creates a different spin on things. But um, that was a big point for me. Mm. The third priest I went to, I knew the answer I was going to get. I knew he would not be in favor of this. I knew he would have a very doctrinal approach, a very, can I say, Pope John Paul approach with theology of the body and things. And I knew what I was getting to. So why did you go to him if you knew what response he was going to give you? Because I thought to myself, I need to hear it. I argue. I'm one of the big religious arguers. (laughs) And I needed to fight with him. I needed to hear what I knew he was going to say in the space that I was in and feel for myself in my soul and in my heart, do I agree with him still Mm. or am I okay with disagreeing with him? Mm. That was why I went. And so his input was harsh, but it was honest and it was from where he comes from. So by no means do I hold it against him, but I walked away being okay with the path I was on. His advice, and and I will share it purely because I think this is advice one would get from many Catholic priests and Catholic people, not only priests. He sort of said, you know, love is self-sacrificial. We die unto ourselves for our spouses. We're supposed to love our spouses as Christ loved the church, and he died for the church. So we are the signs for our spouses. We take our spouses to heaven, and therefore we have to accept that cross, and we are married in the sacrament, and in times of difficulty in a marriage, we need to call on God in that sacrament and say, right now you need to intervene here. He went so far as to say no marriage is happy, which I think is also based on priests who unfortunately just deal with a lot of unhappy couples day in and day out. And I said to him, okay, so I should cry myself to sleep for the rest of my life. And he said, yes. (laughs) Hmm. That was the marriage side of things. The homosexuality, he was very simple. And he just said to me, it's a result of evil in the world. It's because it's so prevalent in today's society that it is posed as an option. You will never find true love in a same-sex relationship. Mm. So again, I knew what he would say. I walked away, but I was okay with not agreeing, which was a big thing for me because I spent the better half of 10 years teaching that preaching that to young people. And this was what was so difficult about accepting this, is that... Did, did it make you feel like a fraud? Absolutely. you've been teaching this? And, absolutely. And yeah. so the coming out process, as it were, was one that was very difficult for me. And so I fought it for a long time. Now, backtracking to my marriage, I told my husband at the time, this is what's going on. I don't know what it's about, but this is how I feel. And he was (laughs) unbelievably calm and understanding and said, look, do what you need to do to deal with it. But unfortunately, he then thought, okay, that's the reason we're going through rocky time. I'm going to sit back now. We don't need to work on the marriage because that's the issue. Unfortunately, then, you know, the marriage just got worse and worse between us. So we just moved further and further apart. In chatting to then concurrently with the priest, my psychologist, and really opening up, I found myself verbalizing thoughts, experiences, feelings from my whole upbringing. And now with the willingness to be open to the possibility that I might be gay, things started to fall into place. And I'll give you an example. I said to her, you know, when I see a gay couple, I find myself 
feeling a sense of relief for them or even envying them. My two words were relief and envy. Mm. And I said to her, but I've always thought it's from an empathetic point of view that I looked at them and thought how wonderful it must be for the two of them to be able to embrace themselves. And she said, but is it not in admiration for their happy relationship? And I said, no, because I feel the same way if I walk past a gay couple in the shops. Mm. So there were things that I started to just unpack on every level, just started to fall into place. And it got to a stage where I was pretty much convinced that my marriage was over. And she looked at me and she said, okay, let me ask you this. What makes you think that you're not gay? And I couldn't answer her. Hmm. And that was when I just thought, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was the process. When you came out, when you publicly acknowledged this, so you went to see some priest, you've hmm. spoken to a psychologist, what was the reaction of people, your family, maybe people in the Catholic community where you were, broader group of friends? Mm. My mom wasn't shocked, <laughs> bless her. She, Which may say something in itself. Well, this is the thing. She said to me that just after school, um, she actually had verbalized it to my dad that she wondered if I wasn't gay. So my mom wasn't shocked. And largely a lot of friends who I had grown up with, one or two family members, really they were just like, okay, it kind of fits, it makes sense, you know. Mm. By and large, my family have been incredibly accepting, bar two or three family members, and I knew that they would struggle. And, you know, we kind of in a space where we agree to disagree, mm. and they support me insofar as I am a family member. But um, we've had a few moments where we at loggerheads with one another. But, yeah, I, I've been very blessed with the support I've received from family and friends alike. In terms of the Catholic community, the parish, the church people, going to Mass became incredibly difficult for me. In that time of possibly getting divorced, possibly being gay, I found myself going to church, sitting literally in the back corner and sobbing all through Mass. <laughs> and it was horrific. It, it was really, I just didn't know where to place myself. And I knew no one else knew what was going on, but I just... I felt like a fraud and a disappointment. And I was just like, if, if this comes out, what are people going to say? Mm. And so now I could probably count on one hand the amount of times I went to church last year because I just battled to get out, have every intention, and then it would come to it. And I, I just think I, I can't, I can't do it because naturally the Catholic grapevine works. And now I knew everyone was aware of what was going on. And But I've sat back quite a few times and thought to myself, Am I really being judged or am I being paranoid? Mm. And the reason I've asked myself that question is because when you have the opportunity to speak one-on-one -on -one with people, specifically within my parish, they're actually very accepting. Mm. They're really okay. Whether or not they're just being polite, <laughs> I don't know. But mm. we've had some candid conversations and, and, and so many people have actually been accepting and sort of said but that's okay what you know what are you so worried about and one lady in particular I had said to you know I've been to confession about my divorce and all these things and it's been so hard and she looks at me and she said Michelle the only thing you need to go to confession about is that you didn't allow yourself to accept this about yourself sooner hmm. and know that it didn't change who you are hmm. in God's eyes and that Powerful was statement. absolutely it was a turning point for me as well in terms of 
feeling a little bit more courageous to go to church and shame bless her every time I go to church she gives me a thumbs up and lucky to see you here and you know <laughs> but there have been the people who haven't reacted favorably I have lost quite a few very close friends mm. I don't think they would say it outright to say I cannot be a friend to you anymore because of xyz but the nature of the relationship has changed drastically and it doesn't take a rocket scientist. So, and that's been hard. That's mm. been very hard to accept that people who you believed would be there for you through thick and thin, this is something they just can't accept. But I'm having to battle through accepting it myself. And mm. that's been tough. Yeah. I want to just wind back a little bit to your own image of God. I mean, you've spoken about being involved in the church. Coming through this process, and I guess it's an ongoing process and your own experience, what has that done to you vis-a-vis -vis your image of God and also your your own faith? Mm. You were saying it's difficult to go to church. Well, going to Mass is one aspect of faith. Absolutely, yeah. What has it done to you personally? You know, my relationship with Him has taken a knock, but I think it's purely because of my concern and what I've been taught other people think. Mm. And it's largely on an earthly level more than a spiritual connection with God, per se. Let me put you on the spot. <laughs> How do you think God sees gay people? I'm working on it. <laughs> um, as I said, one of the biggest things for me was questioning whether or not we are born gay. So does God form you as a gay person? I'm coming around to it, but I, it's something I grapple with um, a lot. I do believe that it is a reality, but in terms of marrying that with the how, in terms of my faith and being formed by God, I battle with. Mm. Yeah, and you know, you asked earlier um, about you know how my Catholic faith would have hindered my acceptance or acknowledgement of my sexuality and. One of my cousins actually asked my sister one time, she said, you know, do you think she knew that she was gay before she got married? And and she said to her, no, I don't think she knew, but I think she would have been open to exploring it had it not been for her faith and her involvement in the church, mm. which is true. I, I don't deny that. Do you think all. the faith or your Catholic faith in some ways was a hindrance to you being able to become and to explore your true self? I've got to be honest, I don't think it helps to ask a question like that for myself mm. um, because you find yourself in a rut of, I mean, obviously I've sat and, and agonized about the timeline of all of this. Mm. You know, why did I have to bring a, a man into this whose life I've also turned upside down? He didn't expect any of this, you know, and, and bring a child into this. So I, I find myself in a place of having to say, I have to believe that there's a reason naturally for my child it was all meant to happen the way it was. So asking questions like, did, did it hinder me to accept this sooner? I don't look at my faith and my upbringing within the Catholic faith as a hindrance because I believe it's added to who I am today. Yeah, it's tough because it's something that is completely against how I have grown up, um, within the church at least. Mm. But I can't question, you know, why didn't it happen any other way? I've just got to trust that um, there's a reason for that. Mm, that somehow God is in the story. <laughs> Somewhere. Mm. Somewhere there, yeah.
You spoke earlier about communion, and I want to just back up a little bit. Why do you stay in the church? Many gay people, they find the church a very hostile environment. You want a few gay people, perhaps, that feel that you can speak about the church with some sense of passion still. I mean, if one just listens to the tone of your voice, you choose to stay, mm. and yet there's also this kind of struggle connecting with the church. Why, why do you choose to stay? It's unbelievably difficult. But the short answer is that the church is, is home for me. I found myself quite often throughout my life questioning, well, why am I staying here? And the one thing I can honestly say, without a doubt, it's because of the Eucharist, because it's the one thing that is unique to the Catholic Church, mm. the belief in the consecration. I can't accept it just being a symbol. Mm. There is that sense of it it just bringing back wholeness, that connection with mm. Christ, and that you can't find in any other church. So my biggest <laughs> difficulty at the moment is that I don't have that anymore. And to clarify, you know, obviously the, the church's standpoint on it is that divorced is one thing. You can still receive communion as a divorced person, but once you're in a relationship or married, it's still adultery because we haven't had an annulment. It is on the cards, but we haven't got that far. So the doctrinal standpoint is that I can't receive communion. So it's tough. So I find myself asking, why am I still here? Mm. But it's home and I am passionate about the Catholic faith. Mass is a powerful thing for me. But I am. I'm a happy Catholic. Mm. <laughs> I'm a gay Catholic. Yeah, funny. But I think also moments like these, discussions like these, I think gives me that sense of hope that not all is lost. Mm. And, you know, some people will say, oh, but the church has developed so much through the centuries and and changed so many rules. And, you know, Vatican II, there were things that changed. And, and some people will say, but if the church says that this is Christ's way or this is God's way, well, how can they change their minds all of a sudden about female priests and gay people and all of these issues that are so rife at the moment and people are talking about? Those kind of people often move from an uneducated perspective. Absolutely. Let, let me jump in there. So, for example, for a long time, the church accepted slavery. And, in fact, the church had slaves. For a long time, the church condemned Copernicus and his idea that the earth was round. The church had to change. And I think that good science and good theology need to be in dialogue with each other. And that opens itself up to development. Definitely. And that's something people say, oh, faith and science or the church and science are at loggerhead. No, they help each other develop. We help each other understand not only our spiritual lives, but the world we live in. Mm. I do believe that there is hope and opportunity for change. The difficulty is asking how many people are going to leave the church until that happens, until we decide to actually tackle these issues head on and say, what is more detrimental to our church as a whole, to accept homosexuality and try to understand it or to reject it at the risk of losing so many faithful and actually very good Christians that just no longer feel accepted? That leads me to another question. After your experience, what do you think the church should be doing? You've alluded to it there by suggesting that, you know, the church accept things. But I get the impression that in very many places, there's not even the space to begin to talk about these things. But what do you think the church should be doing from your experience specifically for gay people? As I explained, you know, the church was one place or has been a place for me where reality hits. Mm. Because 
everything has changed within that sphere of my life. Professionally or within my family life, everything just continues and, and you adapt. But in church, when I sit alone, knowing the space I'm in, there's just such a stark difference for me. And it's hard to accept it myself. And then to know that there are people there that don't accept it with you is very hard to marry. And I've been in recent times a little more vocal on Facebook about um, certain issues and things that I have found very pertinent and things that I feel people should be reading and considering and, you know, exposing themselves to. But beginning of last year, people were figuring out that I was gay. And a person who I was very close to sort of said to me, you know, in your role as youth leader at the church, you have inspired so many young people. You have led them in the faith. And in that case, you have a responsibility. You will continue to have a responsibility to those people. And they are battling to understand. They haven't been part of your journey. And for you to be open about it now is confusing for them and it's difficult for them and you need to be very careful about being so open and that hit me hard that was tough because um I kind of sat back and thought okay so do I just hide this you know I've read articles where a woman has acknowledged her same-sex attraction but is still married heterosexually and that she has found peace with that and because that is what the church has expected of her to do because this is her primary vocation, as it were. So I had two responses to that. Obviously, after having been told that, I panicked and spoke to the priest and friend, and, and <laughs> as I do. And one of my friends looked at me and said, Michelle, is there faith based on you or on God? Hmm. <laughs> and then my priest said to me, Michelle, what about being an inspiration to those young people, of which there are many in our parish and within the greater Catholic community, who are also struggling with their sexuality. Mm. And that sort of put my heart at ease again, you know. In terms of the church, there's something that's really I've battled with. You know, the church where it is now acknowledges what they term same-sex attraction. There is nothing wrong with being attracted to the same sex on that level, but then you cannot act on it. I don't know how we can say you can love another, but you may not show it. So the church wants to come across as understanding and as accepting. And initially when I started coming out, I had a long discussion with my aunt and she continued to refer to us as your same-sex attraction, your same-sex attraction. And eventually I put a stop to it and I said, I just want you to know that the way you term my sexuality as your same-sex attraction actually makes it feel like I have some sort of disease it makes me feel like I have to say, where can I go to get a pull to cure me of this illness? So I really feel the terminology has to change mm. because as much as we want to convince ourselves that we are accepting and understanding, people will say to you, it's okay that you're gay, I don't judge. Mm. And by saying that, you are immediately implying that being gay is a sin. Mm. You might as well say, it's okay that you're a murderer, I'm not the final judge. As much as people feel like they're being understanding and accepting. I don't judge. I am not the judge. You know, you live your life. You're immediately lobbing homosexuality with sin. And that is something that I have only come to realize being now on the other side of the fence as to how actually condescending that, in inverted commas, understanding language is that mm -hmm. we are using. 
So actually, on that premise of saying, I don't judge, you are judging. Mm. <laughs> you know, sometimes these people, and I can't even just say it's the Catholic Church, it's other churches, other faiths, and even just people, not based on their faith, but just their own system of belief, they, they sort of make you feel like there's this problem with you. You almost feel you've got to go to one of those AA meetings and stand up and say, hi, my name's Michelle and I'm a homosexual. So we have to be very careful, I feel, about how we word this. I feel like we're racing ahead of ourselves and saying we are understanding, but the terminology that we are using hasn't caught up to that yet. And we need to really reflect on, is the language that I'm using really based on the premise of being able to lob a homosexual person in the same category as a priest or a married person or a lay person, that you are just a person mm. living a life, following a call, a vocation. If we can get to a point where we see that living a homosexual life is just as much a vocation as a married life or a lay person or a priest, then we're getting to a place of, okay, we're understanding, we accept you. Even the language of coming out, why is it such an issue? Why do I feel the need to have an hour-long discussion with every person to explain myself? Hmm. Why do we have to make it known to people? You know, you don't go to people and say, oh, by the way, I'm a priest, you know. Hmm. Um, oh, by the way, I'm heterosexual. Oh, by the well, way. Exa exactly. I'm, I'm heterosexual, so, you know, like, by the way, hmm. you know. And and then they'll say to you, oh, shame, but that's okay. I, I'm cool with it. Hmm. That very tone is, is, condescending. is condescending, is communicating to a gay person that you feel sorry for them hmm. or that it's something which which is abnormal. And language really kind of gets to the core of what we believe and the way that we interpret and perceive the world. And the language we use also is the precursor of the way we choose to act. Absolutely. Michelle, I want to ask you, how do you think by sharing your own journey as courageously as you have done, are you helping to expand the horizons of hope? Phew. Um, you know, I, it took me a long time to actually say to you, okay, let's do this. Obviously, I have fears of criticism. Am I ready to do this? And I thought to myself, that is exactly what I don't want people to feel. That is exactly the issue, that we do feel that way. And I know of people within my community, in my parish, that are battling to come out, that are have acknowledged in themselves that they are gay, and even to friends, but cannot bring it out to their families because they are Catholic and won't accept it. And so I think my story in terms of helping other people is twofold. One, that it's a very difficult thing to understand, to accept, and it's multifaceted in terms of the influences on whether or not we accept our sexuality. And something that comes through to me often is I once had coffee with a priest who is now a bishop. And he looked at me, okay, fair enough, that was at the time that I was contemplating becoming a nun. But he said to me, Michelle, I believe you are going to do great things in the Catholic Church. I think if he knew now what I was doing, he probably, he might feel a little differently. But I, but those <laughs> words were powerful for me. And so I agreed to do this with you because I felt I've got to trust that perhaps this is why things have worked out the way they have. And hopefully I can be 
albeit a, a quieter part of that movement, just help move things a little forward so that we stop losing people in the faith who want to be accepted and are just absolutely rejecting not only the church, but God. And therein lies where we have to sit back and say, are we doing more harm than good? Michelle, thank you very much for coming along and telling us your story, because that's what we're trying to do, is honor people's stories. Thank you for your willingness to come here and talk to me. Please comment and subscribe to our podcast for more candid conversations, passionate people, and important issues. Expanding Horizons is produced by the Jesuit Institute South Africa with music and sound by Francis Tucson. This episode was presented by Russell Pollitt. Visit us at www.jesuitinstitute.org.za.